0: This is day 13 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Exodus chapter 11 through 15 today. Lord God, thank you for bringing us here to this time of understanding your word and quieting our hearts to receive you and what you have to say to us. Lord, may we carry you with us all day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people, that each man ask from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of the pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and such as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me, saying, Go out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you so that my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, yet the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the sons of Israel go out of his land. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses, for whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly, and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them except what must be eaten by every person that alone may be prepared for you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses, for whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs, according to your families, and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through. Smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, What does this rite mean to you? You shall say, It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. Then the sons of Israel went and did so. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go, worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said, and go, and bless me also the Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, with their kneading bowls bound up in the clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, so they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread. For it had not become leavened, since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years. And at the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed for the Lord, for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. This night is for the Lord, to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it. But every man's slave purchased with money, after you have circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and let them come near to celebrate it, and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native of as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Then all the sons of Israel did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on the same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. It belongs to me. Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery. For by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day, in the month of Abib, You are about to go forth. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall observe this rite in this month. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and nothing leavened shall be seen among you, nor shall any leaven be seen among you in all your borders. You shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall serve as a sign to you on your hand, and as a reminder on your forehead that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore you shall keep this ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. Now when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and to your fathers, and gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And it shall be said, when your son asks you, in time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to him, With a powerful hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. It came about, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord the males. The first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So it shall serve as a sign on your head and as phylacteries on your forehead. For with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Then they set out from Succoth and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pi-hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of baal Zephon, opposite it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart "'toward the people. "'And they said, "'What is this we have done, "'that we have let Israel go from serving us?' "'So he made his chariot ready "'and took his people with him. "'And he took six hundred select chariots "'and all the other chariots of Egypt "'with officers over all of them. "'The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, "'king of Egypt,' And he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi Hahiroth in front of Baal As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, The Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, It is because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you, while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff, and stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold... I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them, and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit And all the Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots, and over their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them, not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea, and the choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep covers them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil." My desire shall be gratified against them. I will draw out my sword. My hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone. Until your people pass over, O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh, with his chariots and his horsemen, went into the sea. And the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, And they went three days into the wilderness, and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters And the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Oh, I don't know about you, but this one felt really long, but it was a really good reading today. So, as we knew was coming, the last of the plagues was nigh, and it was the final plague of death. The firstborn of every household and of every animal was to be slaughtered that night. However, God gave Israel a way out by obeying him. And he established what we know today as the Passover. Now, The Passover is still commonly practiced in Israel to this day. Even Jesus, when he walked the earth, did the Passover because he was a Jew and he did what the Jews did. Is that really all it is? It's just a remembrance of what happened this day? It is, but it's more than that. Listen to the description of what is supposed to happen here with this lamb. Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. Your lamb should be an unblemished male. You may take it from a sheep or from goats. You shall keep it from the 10th day to the 14th day of the month. And then at the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, you are to kill it at twilight. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like the Lamb of God himself? Isn't that exactly what he did for us? Think about it. The Lamb is unblemished. If we put that, that idea in, and use Christ as the Lamb of God, which is what he is, he is called that by John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So let's imagine that. Let's imagine Christ as his lamb, which is, this is why it's here. The lamb is unblemished. Jesus was without sin. He did not have any blemish. You shall keep it from the 10th day until the 14th day. Think about how long the time between his uh, arrest and his death to his resurrection, that's about three days, right? Um, but also the amount of time that Christ was walking the earth in his ministry. We record in the the Gospels that it was around three or so years that he was active in his ministry. He started at the age of 30, and he was killed at the age of 33. So three years, maybe a little bit more. Um, So that's similar. And then it says you're supposed to take the blood, and put it over your doorposts, and that it was to cause the angel of death to pass over the house. And what, what is that supposed to signify for us? The blood of the Lamb. What does the blood of the Lamb of God do for us? It cleanses us. What is this act that God did? It was an act of judgment. It was an act of judgment against Egypt to kill the firstborn child and any Israelite that didn't obey either. And that's what he does with his blood on the cross. that The blood of the cross cleansed us. It prevented God's judgment upon us. And God's ultimate judgment is that no one is holy. No one is good enough to be in my presence, because I alone am holy. Therefore, in my justice, you deserve to die and go to hell. But because of the blood of the Lamb, we as believers are spared from that judgment. And we will not die. In fact, we will live forever. And so, not only that, but this is about the firstborn, right? Jesus Christ was the firstborn of God, in a sense. And so, um, even though he is God, he was the firstborn of Mary, the firstborn of her womb, as well as this is, you know, since God is his father, he is the firstborn. Now, how are they supposed to eat this lamb? They're supposed to roast it with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread. So the unleavened bread, meaning without yeast, right? No yeast, It wasn't. they weren't puffy, fluffy bread. This was just like, almost like cracker style, flatbreads. This was to signify not only their haste in leaving Egypt, how quickly it happened, they didn't have time to do all that. And it was also they were also supposed to eat it with bitter herbs. It wasn't supposed to be a pleasant meal. It was supposed to be a remembrance of not only what Egypt did to them, but it also was to remind them of their sin and repentance is what it's calling for here. So this is the Lord's Passover. And what else are you supposed to do? It says, when you eat it in this manner, you should have your loins girded and sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. So, why is he saying, you're ready, the loins girded? Maybe it's hard to explain in modern terms because we don't usually have this, but back in those days, they didn't wear pants and shorts like we do they wore like tunics, long robes and tunics that were leg, you know, almost down to your feet length, or, you know, like right about the knees, depending on what style, and they're very cool, very breezy, you know, um, but when it came to girding yourself, you would wrap, basically like wrap loose part of the garment around yourself and tuck it into your belt, and it was to signify readiness, like you're prepared, and especially if you had to run. Because if you're wearing a dress, ladies understand this, if you're wearing a dress, it's really hard to run in that. But if you were to pick up your, your dress a little bit above your knees and run for it, then you have much more mobility. It's the same thing with girding the loins. It's preparing yourself for, for war. That language you'll see a lot in, in the Bible, where gird yourself for battle gird up your loins for battle it's that same kind of imagery you're prepared sandals are on your feet you're ready to run and staff is in your hand you're ready to fight not only that but in the actual event of this you know it signified how quickly this happened they as soon as they ate it it's time to go we got to get out of here and this day was meant to be a permanent celebration now if you pay close attention as well, it's supposed to be a remembrance of our sin, a remembrance of the Lord's work in our lives, and to remember what he did for us. Isn't there something else that we do today that is similar to that in the Christian world? That sounds a lot like communion, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like the Lord's Supper. And that's very much what it is. It's the same it's kind of symbolism. The lamb represents something here. The bitter herbs represent something. The unleavened bread represents something. And it's the same thing with what we do now, where Jesus said, Take this, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. It's the same thing. He abolished the old law in many ways and created a new system when Jesus rose from the dead, and started the New Testament. So certainly um, there's huge significance to this. And it was something that was supposed to be passed down from generation to generation without fail, so that they would never forget where they came from, who got them there, and who brought them where they are now. To the land flowing of milk and honey, which I mean if I really have to say it, you know, <laughs> I have to say it because when I was a kid, I literally thought that Canaan was flowing with milk and honey. I mean I was a kid, right? but it's talking about how rich it is and how how much bounty there is and just the, the blessings upon blessings, how the fertility of the place. That's what what the imagery is suggesting. It's not literal flowing of milk and honey, okay? (laughs) I just have to say it because I was confused with that too. Okay, so then we come to the departure from Egypt and just as it was predicted by God, articles of silver and gold were given to the people and they had favor with them and so they took, they plundered Egypt. They took a lot of possessions with them into the wilderness. And it also says here, because we're if you talk about um, back to the uh, Passover here, if a stranger sojourns with you, they're not supposed to participate. It's a lot like communion as well. Communion is meant for believers only, and it's meant for reflection and repentance. And it's not to be given to non-believers, because they don't know what this is about and it's not for them. So very you see that more comparisons there. And then it says something interesting in chapter 13 that all the firstborns they're dedicated to the Lord. And so why he did that I'm pretty sure it's because that he bought them with a price. That's what I get out of it. He bought them with a price. The lamb was the acceptable substitute for the life of the firstborn, because of the Passover, and therefore, since their lives were purchased by the blood of the Lamb, you see the you see the similarity there. That is a sacred thing to the Lord, and the same with us as believers. We are sacred in God's eyes, because His firstborn cleansed us from all righteousness. So. Uh, Another comparison there. Now, it's interesting here, halfway through the chapter, that it mentions that this event is supposed to serve to you as a sign on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead. That it should be a phylactery on your forehead. What's crazy is that um, some Jews still do this. They actually wear phylacteries, little leather pouches, that have a little piece of scripture in it, that they wear that on their forehead and on their left arm. And um, they still do that because they took this very literally. Now, God was obviously not saying to take this literally, but that's they took it legalistically in this sense. So then we see something interesting at the end of chapter 13 where the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire come. And it's hard to imagine, but this pillar of cloud, which was by day to protect them from the sun, and the pillar of fire, which was to allow them to travel at night and to see where they were going, it never stopped for 40 whole years. Can you imagine that? Imagine being born in the Exodus during the, the 40 years of in the wilderness. So imagine being born to this. You've never known anything different. You've always had a cloud in, above you, and you always had a pillar of fire at night. And you could tell your kids, hey, that's God, that's the Lord. And they're like, oh, that's super cool, right? And But they don't get it. They don't know the life without him until they go into the land and those things disappear. And I bet you they were just like, Whoa, so this is what it's like when God's not there? Huh, wow. Very, it's, it's harder without him. Isn't that what he's trying to teach us, though? He's trying to teach us that he is the one who protects us. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that is everything to us. And without him, we can't be effective. And so he's trying to show us that today. And would you know, Joseph, 400 years before this, asked Israel, made them promise to take him out when they left, because he knew they were going to leave. It was prophesied in his time that it was going to happen. When you do leave, take me with you, take my bones with me. And Moses honored him and took his bones. And so I guess he was in a prominent enough place that they knew where he was buried. Um, So that's really, very cool. So um, the Egyptians were realizing, hey, you know what? I think we just made a big mistake, guys. Yes, the Lord did all these things to us, but we just let two million people go. And we don't have slaves anymore. We need to fix that. So, they God hardened their hearts, and they got all their chariots and went after them. And I really like how Moses responds to this. You know, first off, these people witnessed all ten of the plagues, and they were spared from them. And even with that, they still didn't trust the Lord. Because they, what did they say? Why did you take us out here? There weren't enough graves in Egypt for us, so you're just going to kill us in the wilderness? You know, like where's your faith, guys? And and this is what I thought was very interesting. Moses says, "Don't fear, stand by for the Lord's salvation. I will, he will fight for you, right?" And he said all the right things, and I think he really meant it. But I think that somewhere in his heart he was kind of freaking out too. Why do I say that? Because you go to the next verse, verse 15, and he says, to, he says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? He's like, have you not seen what I've been giving you the power to do? What did I tell you? You are going to be like God to them and Aaron is going to be your prophet. I I've got your back. You just need to do something. Why are you crying out to me? Like, why are you freaking out, Moses? You put up a good front with the Israelites, but I know your heart, Moses. I know that you're scared. Why are you crying out to me? Tell them to go forward. Lift up your hand, and I'm going to make the water part. And it, and it did. It parted. You have a wall of water on both sides of you, and they passed right through. We know the story. They crossed through. Then God dropped the water on the Egyptians, and they were all drowned. Not one survived, it says. And then you see the celebration of a beautiful uh, song of Moses here. So, And I thought that is also ironic, too, because Moses keeps saying how terrible of a speaker he is, and yet this is a poem or a song that comes from him. You know, he's got a way with words. He just does not understand, you know, God's providence in his life yet. But he does have it. And then you finally see the sister by name here, Miriam. The sister that probably is the same sister that followed baby Moses down the river to Pharaoh's daughter. And made sure that, hey, you know, I I have somebody who can nurse him for you his mom, and uh, so now we know her, and she's apparently a prophetess. She is a female prophet, which is not unusual, so very interesting there, and even after that miraculous event, all those miraculous events, every step of the way, you are likely going to get irritated with the people of Israel, because they are entitled, spoiled, Faithless people in so many ways. Just like when we they go to the pools of, of Mara. Was Mara literally means bitter in Hebrew. So wasn't drinkable. The Lord tells Moses to chunk a tree into it and makes it sweet. <laughs> and he promises that if you obey me, I will not put any of the diseases on you that I did with the Egyptians. And then we have another name of God that he's revealed himself to be. He's named himself the Lord, your healer, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord, your healer. And not only does he heal our physical ailments, but he heals the brokenness inside of us. And that's exactly what he's talking about is um, not only physically I will not put any of the diseases on you. But if you obey me, I, you your heart will be healed. And you will be loving to me. And you'll be acceptable in my sight. And that's what he wants for us. He wants for us to be acceptable in his sight. And that can only be done through Jesus Christ. And through obedience to him as well. So, a lot of stuff happened. And last thing I'll end with is... I think I mentioned this in another episode recently, but this exact event on the Red Sea has been physically discovered exactly where the Bible said it was. They have found a pile of chariots and skeletons of humans and horses at the bottom of the Red Sea, all in a pile. It was a real event, guys. If we still are having any doubts in our mind that any of this was real, in our day and age, it seems so fantastical that it, it can't be real, right? But it is. We have to see this as history. And I think we don't see this in our day because we are not faithful enough. We don't have enough faith. But miracles happen all the time, and we just don't see them, or we're not paying attention. Granted, they're not as showboaty, and I don't want to say showboaty, but you know what I'm saying. They're not as dramatic, visually dramatic as this, but they happen all the time. If you listen to my testimony, many miracles have been worked in my life to bring me up to this point. I have been saved from death and from my stupidity and, you know, situations many times where it can only be him that did it. He regenerated me. He caused me to be renewed in him. He works miracles. And the biggest miracle that happens today is when someone is saved by the grace of God and is transformed before their eyes, becomes a new creature in Christ. That is the biggest miracle that happens today. And those are the miracles that we want to see. And we won't see them, though, unless we obey God and we do what he says. He's told us to go make disciples of all nations. And we learn how to do that at church and through things like this, by reading his word and being equipped. And that's why we do what we do here. We equip you to serve him better. Anyway, Uh, Thank you for joining me today. My name is Ryan, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Until then, take care, and God bless.